Welcome to the 16th episode of the Front End Happy Hour. In this episode, we share all our mistakes and epic fails we've made or experienced in our careers. And we'll also share how we've learned from them. Hopefully, by sharing our mistakes, you can learn from them and avoid running into similar mistakes. For today's episode, let's go around the table and give brief introductions to the episode's panelists. Brian, do you want to start it off? My name is uh, Brian Holt, and Netflix hasn't fired me yet because of an epic fuck-up. <laughs> nice. My name is Augustus Yoon. Uh, I'm a software engineer at Evernote. My name is Jem Young. I'm a senior software engineer at Netflix. I'm Sarah. I'm a UI engineer at LinkedIn. And I'm Ryan Burgess. I'm a software engineering manager at Netflix. In each episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast, we like to choose a keyword that if it's mentioned at all in the episode, we'll all take a drink. What did we decide today's keyword is? Learned. Learned. So anytime we say the word learned, we will all take a drink. We'll do a lot better than we did last time. Uh, our last episode, we chose the word JavaScript. It was probably not the best idea on a JavaScript podcast. Thanks, Derek. Yeah, Derek. That was that was Derek's fault. <laughs> <laughs> He's not here today, so we're blaming Derek. But yeah, let's let's kick things off with the episode. I figured we could focus on some of the mistakes we've either made or even seen in our uh, careers happen around us and what we've learned from it. Cheers. 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 I was trying to think of mistakes that I've either seen or made uh, in myself in the past. And I was thinking back to one of my first jobs after school. I was working in Flash, doing a lot of Flash. And there was a colleague of mine that was writing some messaging, you know, writing fuck in his messaging or alert message. It was either in the trace or uh, in the alert. Weird, yeah. The problem was a client ended up seeing that our our boss uh, who owned the company was pitching this project or whatever it was in a client meeting and that message showed up. And so it was pretty embarrassing. It was just one of those things where I learned very quickly, never write those messages. You never want to have someone necessarily see. So it's just better not to write that. Write something cute that you know is funny, but not like language and things like that in your messages. I have a friend of a friend that got fired for writing bad things in his code comments about the client. So don't do that. Oh, that's bad. Oh, that's even worse. Yeah. Yeah. So I, this guy didn't get like let go or anything, but it was definitely a good reminder for the entire team not to ever do that again. So I've always remembered that one and I've, I don't think I've done it since. Hopefully not. <laughs> well, I think a good rule of thumb is write every email, every message as if everyone in the entire company could see it. Like, never talk shit on people. Like, by all means, we all gossip, right? Like, we don't have to pretend that we don't gossip at work. But, like, make sure that's spoken word and not written in an email because that will bite you in the ass eventually. That's very true. Act as if everyone should see it. Everyone could read it. I'll follow up on the, yeah, never put profanity in any of your code because I haven't done it. I generally try not to curse in real life, but I've seen it show up in code at least two different companies. Just, like, mistaken debug mode, it shows up in production. You just don't do it. Like, there's no reason for it. Like, even, like, console.log fuck, right? It's <laughs> it's cute and you laugh at it, but how many times have we left console log and it's made it product to production, right? And then that, then it's client-facing code at that point. Yeah, and at any point, someone could really pull up the console and see that and then call you on it or your company and tweet it, whatever. It, it's the internet. It can get pretty wide uh, reach at that point. Yeah. I always do, like, console.log, LOL, LMG, BBQ. <laughs> not, nothing nothing wrong with that that's a cute one that i would be like oh okay that's kind of cute this engineer was like saying that in the console this is programmed by a 14 year old girl <laughs> uh let's see common mistakes uh, i mean 
Well, I'll save like my personal mistakes till later, but I'll say with common mistakes I've seen people make, Git mistakes. Like people executing Git commands where they don't understand what they're doing. Yeah, copy and paste from Stack Overflow. Yeah, and then suddenly they're in this weird state where half the company has to come over and help them because they don't know how they got there. I've seen that so many times. I had way more problems with that when I was using a Git GUI and I didn't actually understand what I was doing. So, side note. Yeah, I can see that. I've actually never liked the GUI in Git. It seems like a lower barrier to entry when you're someone new to Git. But yeah, it's not the easiest to understand. Yeah, once you get past the barrier to entry and you don't really know what you're doing, it's just a big old mess. Like Solving merge merge complex is just like... I've seen so much trouble from that. Like people doing rebases and then doing a merge and then doing a rebase. And they're like, where's my history? I'm like, you just overrode it with the rebase. They're like, what? And... I'll say this pro tip for everybody out there, get reflog will usually save you because reflog keeps a master record of everything that happened unless you blow your reflog, which in that case, well, yeah, you probably should be touching Git at that point. Actually, one of my first experiences with Git in, in a, like a large code base or a large company, I remember making a fairly large mistake. We were, we were on a two-week sprint and I didn't rebase against master that entire time and I had this large, large feature going in. And for some reason, we ended our sprints at 4.30 on a Friday, which Great honestly, idea. that's a terrible idea in itself. Life pro tip, do everything like yeah. that. Do not have your sprints end on a Friday at 4.30. That is a terrible time. Either, so one of those, either Fridays or 4.30, neither one. True. Actually, that's a good point is even late in the day like that is not a good idea. So here it is, 4.30 on a Friday. I'm like, all right, I'm going to check in my big feature and it's going to be great. Well, it wasn't great. I was so far behind. I had so many merge conflicts. I ended up screwing up other people's features. And we were all there a little bit later than expected on a Friday night. And I felt like the biggest asshole. I definitely learned from that one. Cheers. So my my pro tip to go along with kind of the theme here is no matter what version control system that you're using, you, you need to understand it. And it's like, it's not fun, right? I don't enjoy Git particularly or Mercurial or any of those, but it's so easy to fuck everything up. And if you have the knowledge of the tool, you at least with Git, you can always get out of it. And I've, from what I understand about Mercurial, it's even better than Git for getting out of sticky situations. So it, it's worth the time to sit down and learn that tool. Like, not just from an epic fail standpoint, but yeah, I kind of want to also encourage, like, really understanding how Git and version control works is super useful, not even just for, like, getting out of, like, trouble, but, like, for onboarding yourself. Like, when I, like, switched teams and I moved on to a different code base, I was asked to implement a feature, I could just, like, Git log the file that I'm editing, and then I see, like, past features of, and see all the files that it touches. It's, like, really useful to just, like, be able to like, peruse, like, the history and stuff, so. And Git blame, you can figure out who was the last person that worked on that piece of code so that you could at least get context on what was happening, and you can ask them if you're working on that. You can blame them. This is totally off base here, but... There is a uh, feature coming to ECMAScript next year for trailing commas and function parameter lists, which I'm like pretty excited about. And it's so trivial. I know it seems silly, but one of the reasons is it, it does get blamed properly. Because, you know, in JavaScript, if you add something to the end of a list, you have to add a comma on the next line, which attributes the blame to you, which throws up the blame. So, like, now you can have a trailing comma. That means if you add something to another list, the get blame is screwed up. That's actually the main reason why I was added in JavaScript. So, to fix the blame problem. I was actually going to ask you why that was so, like, you were so excited about it. But now, that makes a lot of sense. Anytime you refactor code and, like, add commas, it, like, the blame's on you. 
at that point, so that fixes it. I know, it's such a silly thing, but... I hate trailing commas, but that's the most compelling argument I've heard. Learn. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Uh, cheers. All right, so we got over like some good pro tips. So how about just a quick show of hands in the room? Yeah, I know, this is a great podcast. No one can see so it. Show of hands. <laughs> Who here has broken production code? Oh, countless times. Uh, Brian, you've never broken I'm production. not raising my hand. I also haven't accomplished anything, though, so... Sarah, you, I don't believe you. you have never broken even in even in your own projects or something like push something out on like a portfolio site. I feel like if I did this, I would really remember it. You probably would. I mean, there was one time that like my test stopped working three weeks after I committed it, but it was a tooling error. It wasn't actually my fault. Does that count? No, not really. I'd blame the tool at that point. Yeah. I've broken my website. Like, my website's broken half the time because I don't have a development environment. So sometimes well, I'm like. Well, broken and not finished are not really the same thing. My stuff's never, like, finished. That's different. I've taken down, like, my own personal website so many times. Oh, I have production build and I'm like, yeah, there, that's good. Yeah, I think mine's down right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think this whole episode's about just giving confidence to newer people about not being afraid to break things. To me, that's what makes a great engineer is you. You know that if you break it, you can fix it, and that's okay. Like so many people are just so like trepidatious about, oh, I don't want to touch that because it could take down the servers or something. But like, I'm not saying go take down the servers, but I'm saying like, don't be scared to experiment and try new things because otherwise, you'll never become a better engineer. I think it's important to also move fast, and when you move fast, you break things. I mean, you don't want to necessarily break things all the time, but you want to learn from them. You want to take calculated risks, Cheers. right? Yeah. Don't make the same mistake twice. You should also like actively try and foster that culture at your company. Like if everybody's afraid to touch things, nothing gets done. No, that's a good point too. Is like if you're in fear that you're going to get in trouble for breaking something, that's not good either. And production failures, it, it sucks. It's not a fun thing to be in. And I also think it's important too is don't really place blame on someone. I think it's to me at the end of the day, it's a team effort. It's... So if I submit something, there's probably going to be a pull request and someone probably reviewed that. We have unit tests. We have things that all these variances that check for something going into production and breaking it. And it still happens. So it's not really like necessarily one engineer's fault. I think it's a team effort. Yeah, it's a couple layers of failure. Yeah. You guys ever had that thing where you break the CSS and then somebody figures it out three weeks later? Yeah, no, that, yeah. <laughs> CSS is subtle because CSS is a pain in the ass. <laughs> Do you have a time when this happened, Sarah? Yeah, I'm sure I did, but I can't remember it now. <laughs> oh, there was one time I like I was she having like a conversation with a client, and I kept updating things, and he wasn't seeing it. I was so confused because when I was logged into the WordPress admin, I could see the changes, but when I logged out, they weren't there anymore, and it turned out the whole thing was a cache issue. Like nobody had cleared their cache, so. Oh, and WordPress is bad for that too because... There's like a 15-minute delay. Well, and a lot of people run that caching plugin and it's, it's super cached. Thank you. And it's good, but it's almost too good sometimes when you're trying to... Uh, it's not there. It's not fixed. And the change could be there. I haven't worked with WordPress in like years, but Lucky. it's... Yeah, well, it, it's it's not terrible. It's, it's a nice little CMS to get up and running. <laughs> I'm not going to hate on it. I mean... I won't say the old joke, but, you know, cache invalidation is one of the hard problems of computer science. And it's true. It is. It's, it's very true. true. But what was the full quote for that? I, I remember there was, a, there's like, it was just more than one thing, but it was, those. it was, it was one naming of things, cache invalidations, and off by one errors. <laughs> yep. There are, th uh, what, two things that are wrong, right? 
Which is true. There was one time I did like a couple of like nested SAS extends and I had like this 200. That's an error like, right there. <laughs> that, there's your first problem. <laughs> like, that was a problem. How did you fix it or um, avoid I undid doing it? the SAS extends. Have you done it since? No, I haven't. I learned. Cheers. I will drink to not using SAS extends. So I guess I'll tell one of the probably worst times I've broken production. So I was at Chartbeat, one of my earlier companies, and uh, using Python. And I had it all working, tested it in dev, and it worked fine. I'm like, all right, we'll ship this right before lunch, obviously, which is also a mistake. Never ship things before lunch if everybody's leaving the office. So ship things for lunch. We have the dashboard up on the screen in the office. So just to see if production's broken or anything. And walking away, about to get a burrito. And then suddenly, like all the metrics just go off the charts. Latency goes up. Everything's down. I was like, oh, what happened? Like, I don't know. We scrambled, we scrambled, we scrambled. It turns out I was using a dev build. And we didn't, um, what is in Python uh, when you bundle it together? It's not an egg. Uh, it's, uh, I forgot what it's called, but there's a way of like bundling your dependencies in Python. I, I can't think of it. I know what you're talking about too. It's like called a wheel or something. I forget. But yeah, I'm not the best backend engineer here. But it turns out the production dependency was pointed to something. So it worked in dev just fine because dev didn't bundle anything, but it wasn't bundled properly. So I was importing something in Python. It was didn't exist in production. Took down all the servers, just the web servers. But still, it looks bad when you're a, a publication company and metrics company, and your website doesn't work anymore. I mean, I think there's there's plenty of times when that happens for all companies where something like that happens. It sucks. I, I remember one time, and it wasn't my mistake. It honestly wasn't. It was it was when I was at Evernote. Our code base was in PHP. And there was literally something wasn't closed properly. And it took the entire, like, I think it was like the homepage or something like a major component down. And it was someone to check something in, in another country. And so I got called at like five in the morning and they're like, yeah, shit, like the, the homepage is down. And, and like, that's a pretty big deal. So I'm like going through quick, quick, get, get logs, help me there. And sure enough, it was just like a semicolon or something hadn't been closed because PHP requires that. And that was it. Back up and running. It was like a couple minutes, but that sucked having to wake up early in the morning to deal with that. I'm so glad I'm not an SME. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't want to. They make a lot of money. They, they should. They're on call. Of money. Yeah. Speaking of my junior uh, SRE merit badge that I got since Reddit didn't have any when I was hired, we had a tool that... I- I wrote in Python, so that's that. This should tell you where this fuck up is going. Uh, <laughs> for deploying services, I should mention that I co-wrote this. We were deploying our service for Black Friday for the marketplace, which the marketplace made most of its money around Black Friday, and it tried to do things concurrently. And we most of the time we had only five servers running at any given time, so it was no big deal to run five concurrent deployments. But we scale up to 150, one, because we had a really inefficient back end. So that's a whole nother story. That's a fuck up unto itself. But we were trying to deploy this for Black Friday right before the sales were going to start. And like, this is like, oh my God. So we were trying to deploy 150 servers concurrently. Python couldn't handle that many threads all at once, trying to spin up 150 threads concurrently. Tried to uh, deploy the entire thing, and right as the sale was starting, the entire website went down. Oh, no. Uh, it's like right when you need it to be oh there. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So this fuck-up entailed us having to hand-deploy 150 servers. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Which we did. We actually made it in time. The three of us deployed 150 servers by hand in, th- in 
like five minutes. You use PolySH? Uh, we were using uh, just like a quick and dirty script that we had written that uh, sequentially connected and deployed them. It's pretty impressive you did it that fast. Yeah, no. Well, and then the the rest of the day was a total shit show too. But that was just the that was the grand cherry on top of all of it. Is that how you got your merit badge? That's how I got my merit badge. <laughs> oh, just so people don't know, um, SRE is Site Reliability Engineer. Good call. Yeah, yeah. We're saying SREs all day. It could be. It's like when salespeople use sales acronym. SREs only talking acronyms. Are you, are you serious though? Like we're so bad in engineering. We have so many acronyms we're, we're too. Bad yeah, too, we're bad. Yeah. It's not just salespeople. <laughs> well, sales for their positions, they're like, I'm a something at some well, company. I'm level like, six. Yeah, and I have no idea. I'm a level what, six what I guess it'd be the same thing as us saying the UI engineer or something like that. A lot of people don't necessarily understand what that is. In our field, yes. But if you told your mom that, what would she think? That's true. She would. She'd be like, "What's what's UI? You make you make the movies? <laughs> I make that. I'm actually Luke Cage standing. Uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's a good position. <laughs> yeah, you know when he, when he's uh too tired. Are you a stunt double? That even. That's actually, actually even cooler. But they have to like mask my face because I'm actually in a bit better shape than he is. <laughs> true. He's wearing a hoodie all the time too, so you could probably do it. It's true. Gem actually is bulletproof. I don't know if anyone actually... Knew that Please don't test that, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so one other thing that I've tried to do in the past, and I feel like it's a bit of a mistake, and it, it was even something that it was my call even for on the team, was trying to mi- migrate an entire code base all at once rather than doing it, breaking up into pieces and doing it in chunks. The problem there that I found is it becomes such a daunting task, you almost never get it done. And because there's so many other things that you're trying to do, you can never get something in production. And I feel like getting something in production, you'll learn from it and be able to iterate on it and get something out quicker. Yes, cheers. That's a good pro tip. If you're doing migrations, do it in chunks. Like, don't don't do it all at once. It's such a daunting task. You're never going to be able to go away and quit working on new features and things like that for a long period of time. You're not going to be able to tell your stakeholders, hey, guess what? We're going to take a year or six months to go migrate our entire code base to a no- new technology. They're not going to they're not going to let you do that. So I think it's like something that you should do in pieces. It's actually something that I'm talking about at Full Stack TO in Toronto is that's kind of what I'm talking about. Actually talking about how Netflix did it. And that's something that we did was breaking it up into pieces and tackling it throughout any new features that we did. We tried to tackle in the new code base. That's pretty good advice for basically everything too. Like don't write too much code at once without testing it. You're going to launch things. Things are going to go poorly. You're going to want to pivot. And if it's test tough to pivot entire apps it's easy to pivot a couple features like even just as a beginner like writing a jquery carousel like write one thing then test it write the next thing then test it just, yeah it's that, good debugging that's a probing like web ui is like you can do that it's like write, write one line something show up okay then keep it yeah it's not like we have to take like five hours to run something on a database that's a good point. Another thing is save often. <laughs> <laughs> Command S. Like Especially if you're in Photoshop. <laughs> and backup, right? Yeah, and backup. I've definitely run into those situations where I've been writing like it's probably not lately. I feel like it was longer years ago where it was something that, yeah, backing up or anything like that. There wasn't as great of version control. Like I think at one point when I started my career, I feel like we just FTP'd and overwrote things. There was no nice like 
git or anything like that it was there's no good version control are you working on this file no okay yeah yeah you would literally yeah, verbally talk, have talk, to talk to each other it's like hey jam are you working on this like I'm, I'm about to overwrite the one that's on the server is that cool no. yeah yeah it's, it's all right yeah and so you'd have to like copy and paste your changes in it was terrible but saving often is always a good thing and backup learn your keyboard shortcuts cheers cheers so I, I have some screw ups I've been waiting to tell, but I was just trying to what's what's like the best way to phrase it. So I guess I'll start off with this one recent one where um, which is related to WordPress and the blog. So um, to increase our SEO presence, we were trying to do a reverse proxy to our blog. So we currently host our blog at blog.evernote.com and then the marketing website's at evernote.com. And so these this SEO consulting firm comes to us and says, hey, you know, if you move your blog.evernote.com domain to evernote.com slash blog, you know, it would just increase your SEO presence. Like it would give your main domain, evernote.com, a lot of SEO ranking. So we're like, okay, so how can we like move all of blog.evernote.com over to evernote.com slash blog? That's a lot of work. Yeah. Let's not do that. So engineering manager comes and is like, we should reverse proxy it. Let's just make it so that evernote.com blog goes reverse proxies pulls the content from blog.evernote.com and then like when people go to evernote.com slash blog they won't know the difference so it's all good apache has like this nice thing that lets you reverse proxy but then there's this big thing where it's like okay well we can grab all the content from the blog but then all those urls they don't get rewritten right and so the whole point of the google search bot is to be hey like let's it, it goes based on the links right it like crawls the page and looks at all the links and then it associates it gives ranking for it based on those links on there. So we're like, okay, so we need to rewrite those links somehow. How can we do this? So we first tried just manually rewriting them. That didn't work. And so that broke a bunch of stuff. But luckily that was on testing. And so then uh, we looked up some things and people were like, you know, there's a way for you to detect if you're being reverse proxied. And then you change the home URL directly in the WordPress database directly, which will automatically like change all your links. That sounds pretty promising. So we do it, we test it, looks good, it's great. We do some testing, we test search, this looks good, let's ship it. We ship it, and then what we didn't realize was our blog theme where we put this code that changes the home URL directly also was deployed to all of our international sites which share the same theme. So it changed all their home URLs. So now all of these international sites have different home URLs which, so if you can imagine, an international site might be like blog.evernote.com slash like ZHCN for China or something. And now all of a sudden it says, oh, we're being reverse proxy. Let's change it to blog.evernote.com. Then everything just breaks. Once that deploys, we automatically revert and we're just like trying to figure out what happened. And we figure out this theme thing. And uh, what we learned was after a little more learned. <laughs> cheers. Cheers. What we learned was there is this very convenient Apache module called mod proxy HTML, which will do that for you. So I think like the lesson was don't use WordPress. <laughs> don't use WordPress. Um, definitely, if we I think if we gave it some more time and looked into it, like that would have been better. But sometimes you don't know until it happens, yeah. though. Too yeah, shit's just gotta break. Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes that happens. And actually, WordPress is bad for that too. In the fact that every URL is like hard coded in the database too, which I, that's always pissed me off. Is there's been times where I've changed domains or something like that on a WordPress blog. Get the SQL file, search and replace, and then re-upload it. To me, it sounds like a pain in the ass. Like, why? And error-prone. Yeah, very error-prone. Like, the human doing it could very much screw that up big time. When I was first learning WordPress, I 
didn't really want to use the loop. Like, I refused to learn how to use the loop because I thought it was bad. Everybody was said it was bad. So instead of doing that, I went in and I made all of these custom SQL Can you qualify what the loop is? Uh, yeah, sure. So uh, WordPress has this uh, mechanism called the loop. It's basically how they display content. You have to kind of call the loop in your code and it automatically spits out something for that page whether that's, like, your nav or your articles or whatnot. So, like, most people, when they can avoid it, well, sometimes, um, they'll just, like, request all your nav items in a different function instead of using loop. Something like that. But um, instead of doing that, I did a lot of, like, I had, like, six joins and, like, three outer joins and an inner select and, like, a group concat, and it just, it was, like, 20 lines of SQL, and it was, it was really gross. Uh, don't do that. <laughs> uh, but I ended up, like, duplicating content, like, ten times, and nobody noticed for, like, three weeks. <laughs> it was really bad. <laughs> so these are mistakes that, Sarah, you made. Like, you've learned. I know. I, like, I keep remembering cheers. things. <laughs> so much learning going on. Sure, that's another cheers. Uh, cheers. Cheers. One thing I've learned about, if I've learned anything at all about databases, is equal. <laughs> cheers. Cheers. It's that... Be able to roll back your database changes. Do not make large sweeping changes unless you have the ability to roll them back because I've I've seen more things break because people make a, um, a bad database update. Like, I'll just update the schema real quick. And then once you break that and you don't have the ability to roll it back, you are screwed. Yeah, like break and break permanently. Yeah. yeah. Databases are hard in general, actually. I feel like they're just, it's an old school way of doing things and it's hasn't really changed over the years. I feel... I've, I'm always skeptic of them. It's like really hard to change anything in a database. My first job was an internship for a multi-level marketing company in Utah. Did you get a pyramid scheme? Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> legally, I can't say that. <laughs> it was an internship. It was PHP. Literally, my interview was they handed me a sheet of paper that had PHP code in it. I, had never, I didn't even know what PHP was at the time. And the guy asked me, he's like, what do you think this does? And I looked at it, I was like, well, there's a lot of dollar signs. Does that have to do with money? <laughs> nice. <laughs> he's like, no. And I saw the word auth somewhere. I was like, oh, this might be like a login. And I guess out of the 10 people that interviewed for the internship, I was the only one that got it. Anyway, that's a totally different story. <laughs> so this particular job, I had to work with Nagios. Has anyone heard of Nagios XL? It's a database health monitoring system or data center monitoring hmm. it's open source it's beastly it's robust but it is beastly i think it's an apt description for wordpress as well <laughs> um but it's database underlying inner workings are just uh monstrous i think is putting it lightly anyway so i had to write uh uis on top of this querying directly against this this database again Never written PHP, never had written SQL, never had written CSS, never had written HTML. This was all totally brand new to me. And so I was writing these joins and just SQL queries that were, I swear to God, I printed them out and took them to my manager to make sure that I was doing it right. They were two pages long. Because <laughs> they were doing like joins of inner joins of select stars of just crazy, crazy shit. One thing that I learned, cheers. Cheers. Uh, very well was that run your SQL queries against some sort of test database first. Just anything you can do because I 
ran one of these two-page queries that I, I had written against the production database, and it got about a quarter of the way of deleting everything in not, that Nagios <laughs> had um, before I realized, like, this is taking a long time. I wonder why this is taking so long. And uh, it was nested deep, deep inside of some query that it was doing some sort of delete that I wasn't expecting in some way. I don't even remember what it was. That that's probably my biggest fuck up. And it, luckily, to Jen's point, it was, they were able to roll back pretty quickly, and it wasn't actually that big of a deal. But yeah, I deleted, I deleted about a quarter of a, a, a data center. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's all the more reason to have failsafe something in in your code ready to roll back. Like that's something good to have in in whatever your deployment is. Is being able to roll back is really important. I like Netflix's philosophy of like the simian army of like, let's just fuck shit up and make sure that <laughs> shit getting fucked up is a part of our process, right? I don't know if that's exactly how it goes, but... No, that, that's actually the terminology they use. <laughs> is fuck, I'm a, I'm a fuck your shit up. <laughs> but it, it is like, let's move quickly. And if we break stuff, like let's have something in place to roll back. And that, and that it's well tested and well used, yeah. right? Because like once you have a catastrophe, like you could have every rollback in place, but if you don't know it actually works... You know, it's like uh, Schrodinger's cat, right? <laughs> it's de both dead and alive until you actually look, and then it's actually dead and you're screwed. Nobody likes to have their Netflix not play. I get, like, calls from, like, my aunt, like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I remember, actually, there's this Reddit thread of what is, like, a job that when he's there, no one notices him, but when he, once he's gone, then everybody, like, freaks out. And I think DBAs and, like, site reli reliability engineers are probably, like, really, really high up there. You have no idea what they do, but when they're gone, you're oh, like, yeah. what's going on? Why is this not working? Yeah, yeah sp speaking of, like, SQL, like, when I started as an analytics intern at Evernote, I didn't, like, make any changes. I didn't have, like, that privilege, but I definitely did do like a select star once on like a high transaction table, <laughs> which, you know, slows everyone else's queries yeah. down. Everyone's like, what? And like everyone on analytics is like, man, this query is taking really long. <laughs> and then they just look at all the SQL processes and they're like, oh, that's why. That intern. <laughs> that intern. Oh, gosh. That's a good point. If, you, if you're doing SQL, it's been forever since I've had to do it directly, um, but learn, explain. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I was going to say, for clarification, that statement, I believe, is once you run it, it tells you like how long it would take to run the statement and yeah, give some information. Right. And it breaks it down piece by piece of like, this does this, this does this, this is very heavy, this one's okay. Right. That kind of stuff. Wait, just quick pull the room. Augustus, you say SQL or you say SQL? Uh, I say SQL, but I say SQL sometimes. I say SQL and acknowledge that it is also wrong, but easier to say. I say SQL. I was taught SQL. I say SQL. I thought SQL is a Microsoft product. <laughs> I'm not sure. I think I say SQL. Let me, let me be clear. It, I think you say SQL. It, it yeah. is a, a Microsoft product. I'm asserting that. It is, yeah. SQL Pro and SQL Server, that is that is a Microsoft product. So how do you say MySQL? MySQL. You say MySQL? That's weird to me. I was taught I, I was always saying... I say MySQL. I was taught like both ways depending on the mood of the professor that day. So It's funny. We've actually like never really talked much about... SQL or PHP very much at all on our any episodes in the past. And but then we get the fuck ups and it's just like, <laughs> it just like seems to be a, a lot. You could tell we're front end people. I mean we talked about Python too. Right? Yeah, and I've done a lot of PHP. I, it's it's been years since I've had to do it, but it's not the worst. It's not my choosing now. I would prefer not to have to deal with it, but it's not the worst. Uh, I mean it's it's a craftsman problem, right? Like you can write well crafted PHP, right? Sure. Yeah. It's I think it, to be honest, it's kind of like JavaScript. It it allows you to just kind of write how you want to write. 
I feel like that's always what I think of the two of them are both very similar in that way. It's great beginner language because you can just take as little as you want or take as much as you want. True. true. Yeah, you can go from HTML to PHP. Pretty. We really shouldn't bash on PHP. It's like one of the most popular languages in the world, mostly due to WordPress, but yeah. PHP runs the internet. PHP and Apache run majority of the internet. Mm-hmm. Especially if it was built before the last 10 years. WordPress and like Drupal, those are huge CMSs that a lot of companies are using and a lot of sites are using. So I think, yeah, it is a lot of people using it. Well, and I think Seven's a pretty good link. Like, made some good advances. Seven's pretty fast. PHP 7, that is. The latest revision. I haven't written any of 7. I haven't either, but... I have a whole book on how to migrate to 7. I got free at an HTML5 meetup. Have you looked at it? No. <laughs> <laughs> my key problem with PHP, and we're way off tangent here at this point, <laughs> but my problem with PHP is like people that are really good at PHP tend to be really bad at memory management. Because, for, for instance, like how PHP works is it comes in through Apache. What happens is it spins up an entirely new PHP instance for that one request. And then when that request is done processing, it dies. And that's how PHP works. So the problem with that is you never think about memory because you're like, oh, it only exists for the life of the request. And I see a lot of PHP programmers move to other languages and they're like, oh, what, wait, what do you mean memoizing like eats up memory on the back end? Like they don't think about memory because... It's only the one request. That- exactly. But in like a longer lived language like Java or even using Node, you can eat up memory. Node very, is a good uh, example. Yeah, you can like dig yourself into a really deep hole and it wouldn't be apparent until like much later when your process has been running forever and ever and ever. But going back to Git, I'll say this. Disable force pushing the master. Like, there's no reason you ever need to force push the master, like, in general, unless something's really, really broken. But just, in general, you shouldn't be force pushing if you can help it. But disable force pushing the master. And uh, do always do force with lease. Oh, um, is that new? I, I have heard of that. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, I yeah. didn't know that, yeah. So, I got to remember exactly what force with lease is. But basically, force with lease doesn't re- let you make a fuck shit up. It just lets you kind of fuck shit up. And I'm trying to remember exactly exactly what it does, but it's something to the fact that it's going to allow a rebase, but if you have changes that you haven't rebased on top of that exist in the, the remote branch, right, that you have c- commits there that haven't been pulled into your rebase, it's not going to let you push. Okay. So force is just like, fuck it. Just like I'm right, I'm right. You're wrong, and just take my yeah. Yeah, force with lease is going to say, do, are there any commits that exist at all that you haven't pulled in, even if it's out of order and crazy? That's a good one. Yeah. I would say disable force pushing to master in general. Side branches are fine, but also do not have this is a good pro tip. <laughs> if you don't have force pushing to master disabled, do not have a Jenkins job that kicks off whenever there's a new commit to master. I've been at a company that did that. So you have like two, just like these speeding trains come at each other. You force push the master, master, and then it builds off that force push. So like everything's broken in one fell swoop. Master could be just master. It depends on what your build to production is. Whatever your master branch to production is, because I've been places where it's been production branch or like staging branch. It doesn't matter what it is. Whatever the production one is, you should not force on that. Yes. I don't think production builds in general should be automated. It should always be a manual thing. It should always be like, I'm deliberately saying I'm going to update production with this code. Someone has to go into Jenkins and hit publish yeah. or build, sorry. Yeah. Automated builds are, I've seen some trouble running into that because like it just kicks off this whole pipeline that it's hard to kill. Even if something's wrong, like, oh crap, no, no, I broke something. But it's hard to kill because the jobs are just running and running and running. That's a good point. Sometimes manual stuff is okay. Yeah. It's okay for some things. But again... 
I don't know. I say this all the air because someone who works with an amazing QA team and like amazing engineers. But I've, I'm like forgetting my small startup days where it's just three people and you're like, oh, I don't want to build again, build again, build again. So no, but I mean, we had a service called Dreadnought at a small startup that I worked at. And so it was manual still, but it was just like, go to a page, click deploy. Right. Yeah. And like the, that button just kicked off the, you know, the, the freight train of that got everything to production. But at least someone had to say, okay, I'm, I'm conscientiously wanting to deploy this thing. I think that's a good idea. Yeah, I think that is good. Even if it is that one button, it, you had to think a little bit about pressing it. And bef- you're like, yeah, we're safe. Let's go. And there's some accountability, I guess, for that. If you built it and stuff, people know to maybe ask what's going on. Brian, press this button. <laughs> you have someone to blame. Yeah, that's true. So as we wrap up today's episode, we'd like to share picks for things that we like or found interesting to share. Let's go around the table and share our picks for today's episode. Sarah, you want to start us off? My pick... Well, one of them is that GitHub Universe just happened and they announced that uh, there are now code reviews on GitHub, which is awesome. High five. Yeah. That's awesome. So you can do all your code reviews on GitHub and not have to use other things. And then on the Git train, uh, there's a new website. It's pretty awesome. It's called Oh Shit Git. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. uh, So if you mess up your Git, uh, it just kind of tells you what to do. It is awesome. I was checking it out. Yeah, that's a great pick. I, I wish I owned that domain. <laughs> <laughs> it is a good domain. Jem, what do you have for us? So my first pick is uh, Apex, uh, the story of the hypercar. It is a documentary-ish film on Netflix, and it is phenomenal. I, I'm I'm a big car person. I don't talk about it too much because well, I'll have a boring car now. But if you're even remotely into cars, you need to see this film. It is It is gorgeous. So Chef's Table on Netflix is kind of food as art. And the chefs are the artists. This is like cars as art. And they, they at this level, they are pure art form. It's oh, so good. Like, there's no practicality $2 million car, but it's just gorgeous. It is a phenomenal movie. Watch it on, like, the highest resolution TV you can because it is a beautiful movie. Second pick, totally underrated Netflix original called A Very Secret Service. It's French. It's about, like, uh, the French Secret Service in, I want to say the 50s. It is hilarious. It is one of the funniest shows on Netflix right now, and nobody's watching it. I've never seen it. It is so funny. It's in French, so people are like, oh, but no, like them being French and like kind of old stereotype cliches of French people from the 50s, it's just, it's so good. It is one of the best shows on Netflix by far. Augustus, what do you have for us? Yeah, one of them I have is this Medium article that got kind of viral. It's uh, it's called I Got Scammed by Silicon Valley Startup. I don't know if you guys read it. No. I read that. Okay, it's basically about this guy who essentially like went all in. He like he found this startup. The the founders like talked to him. It sounded really promising. He got a really high role in it. Basically, she got screwed over. They were behind in paychecks and it is a crazy story. Totally recommend reading it. And then also I was like looking around. I found this... Uh, GitHub repository called React Game Kit. It's like making games with React, and I thought it was pretty interesting. Okay, so my my music pick by popular request uh, is Polar Heart. It's a band out of Sydney, Australia. Not the other Sydney that you might have been thinking of. Just kidding. That's weird. Is there another Sydney? No. I just felt like I had to qualify Australia. (laughs) New South Wales. Uh, It's really cool. It's kind of chill electronic music. I sent it to to gem at least twice by now <laughs> i probably listened super great i'm kind of obsessed with it my second pick's kind of out there but i'm gonna go with roll with it anyway and it's just traveling in general <laughs> i just got back from three and a half weeks abroad but it's kind of the cure for the bubble 
Like definitely like we're, we all live here in San Francisco and we're definitely in a very strong bu- bubble here. And so maybe our listeners aren't in quite as strong a bubble as, as we are. Um, but it definitely pops your bubble to go out and see other countries, other cultures, other languages, just other w- ways of living. It kind of gives you perspective and like it shapes the way that you think of the world politically, religiously, spiritually, all those kind of things. It, it, it's definitely a shaping force and uh, you need to have your, your bubble popped every so often. I have two picks this episode. One, I'm actually going to pick a colleague's talk that Mars Julian, she gave at Netflix the last week at the Modern Web event. She talked on best practices for reusable UI components. It's a really good talk, just really makes you think about how to write reusable components and scalable components. Uh, So really good talk from Mars And then my second pick is also a programming pick is React Rally 2016 videos. They are now up online. I I enjoyed the conference. Jem, you were there as well. It was a good conference. Amazing Uh, conference. Lots of really good talks. And now they're all available online. I suggest everyone go watch them all. I can't think of a talk that wasn't good. So I I wrote up uh, our list of top tips. First one, don't write in bad words in your code. Second one, uh, know what you're doing in Git. Ryan, don't end a sprint on Friday. That's always good. Do not do not deploy code on Friday. That's or late in the day. Yes. Save often. Someone said take your time. I don't know who said that, but that's good advice and everything. Uh, be able to roll back your database and learn SQL Explain. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. Make sure to rate us on iTunes and Google Play and subscribe to the Front End Happy Hour podcast on your favorite podcast catcher. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Front End HH.